Good morning, family. I know we, we reached a certain place in the spirit right now that feels like we can, should continue, and we're going to. Just as uh, I feel the word is right in that space that where we were, and we'll, we'll pick up on that at the end of the service again. Uh, just two things from my side, uh, just uh, invitations that I would like to extend to you. We've been over the last uh, couple of months as a church really focusing on praying for our government, probably with an eye on the elections that's coming next year. And um, so in that space, and also because we are wanting from time to time to pray for people in our community in terms of their front lines and where they're serving on their front lines, I would like to invite all those that are in senior government positions within our congregation to come and, and join us uh, next Sunday after the service, and we would like to just spend a little bit of time with you to pray with you and to just encourage you for your front line, and particularly in this context where we are within our nation. We will do that in the future with some other front line, you know, just dynamics and places where people are serving, but felt particularly for next Sunday, so after the service, you're going to come and, and join us. We'll tell you more about that in the service also, and so that we can pray for you and encourage you. All those that are in senior government positions, if you know some, someone in senior government positions that leads in a portfolio and has a responsibility and decision-making power, if you could please join us in the function hall, which is the hall outside um, next to the chapel area, and uh, if you can, we would love to just spend a bit of time with you just to pray for you. It's not going to, you know, we're not going to ask anything of you or anything like that. We would just want to encourage you and pray with you. Then the second invitation is actually an invitation for today. Um, how many of you remember that September last year we came to you with a project where we wanted to uh, just serve our younger ones better and our families a bit better, and we asked you to go on a journey with us to build the new toddler's world. Now that pro project was actually completed and we've started using that building in, uh, in, on, on the Easter weekend already, but today we want to celebrate the opening of that building and thank you for contributing. Again, as Debbie said, the, the, the heritage of this community is generosity and um, through your contributions, we were able to raise 490,000 rand towards the project and then other finances we had, we were able to build that and complete it and it is now being used on Sundays and we used very, very well. But today, after the service, um, we're going to go down to the toddler's world and we'll have a, a time where we want to dedicate that building to the Lord and um, we want to just you know, do a bit of a ceremony and a ribbon cutting and uh, just thank the Lord and dedicate that to them. So, so please come and join us for that. It won't be long, a couple of minutes, just a celebration of that building and thank you so much for your contribution within that. We are here today in this fantastic facility because of the generations that have gone before us that invested and so that we can enjoy this and we are now privileged to continue to invest in the generations to come and probably the toddler's world is the most direct way that we've been able to do that also so please join us for that it's going to be a special time together also today is the finishing or the culmination of the series that we've been busy with on naturally supernatural and for the previous three weeks, we've been building, in a sense, towards today. And today, I, I really want to share with you around how do we practice? And one of the ways that, the major ways that we practice and live 
these naturally supernatural lives. So if you've been with us on this journey, then you will know that we spoke about how when God created the heavens and the earth, he created initially a space where heaven, which is God's space, and earth, which is man's space, was, was close to one another. They were tied together, united, sort of overlapping with each other. And we see that in the Garden of Eden where, where Adam and Eve could live in a very natural state you know, be about the garden, looking after the garden, naming animals and doing all those kind of things, but also be having fellowship with God that could come down and walk in the garden. And you see, the, saw this, the natural and the supernatural world very close to one another, being able to interact with one another. There was a harmonious unity between the two. But then through the fall of man, that got broken and there was a separation that took place. And from that time, we now live in a world that is dominated by the natural, but disconnected from the supernatural. And it's like, you know, if you think about it like this, these two worlds have now become separate. But it is always God's intention that there be a reunification and that we would live in a, in a reality where we are close to God and where God's world and our worlds actually become reunited. And so throughout the Old Testament, we saw God beginning again to, to create spaces where the natural and the supernatural could overlap. And some of those spaces were called tabernacles, for instance. And tabernacles were places where God came and dwelt amongst his people. And he would say, I would tabernacle with you. And a tabernacle was that space where natural man could step up into an experience the supernatural presence of God. But obviously those places were very highly regarded and were guarded in a sense also and protected by laws and, and only certain people at certain times could go in. And, but it was God saying, I'm, I'm wanting to reestablish this connection. And ultimately he sent Jesus, fully God, fully man, fully natural, fully supernatural, to come and walk among us to be, be the first to begin to reintegrate those two worlds and reunite them and, and bring them closer to each other. And in Jesus, we saw this man, this human, fully human, but also fully God, and this coming together. And then Jesus lived on earth as this representation of this unification that took place. But at some point, he said, it's better for you that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And in that, he was saying that we could then continue this work of reunification. Jesus, for instance, when he was on earth, told us, pray. When you pray, pray like this. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This coming together. And we also know that the future would be the fullness of this coming together. As the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. This integration, this unification again of natural and supernatural. And so we right now are living in, as believers in that, in that space where we are the ones that are experiencing this coming together. It's not fully expressed yet, but we are living in a space where God's space and our space are reconnecting and being reunited and coming into a harmonious cooperation with each other again. And that happens because of the Holy Spirit. And we've been in the series wanting to say, Lord, how do we live these naturally supernatural lives? And so we've been speaking, and, and the first week we spoke about grace, how we do not deserve to be brought back into fellowship with God. We don't deserve to, to come back into that space of the unity of the natural and the supernatural. But God, by His grace, His unmerited favor, His kindness towards us said, I have created you for this. I want you to return. I want you to come back to the way that I have created. That is the abundant life. 
is to live in that reunification. But it is not something we deserve. It's God's kindness. And because that's a holy space, that God's space and our space to become together, it's us stepping into holiness. God said, you can't do it if I do not make it possible. And that's what Jesus came and did for us. And, and through the work of Jesus and his forgiveness and his mercy and grace that was poured out upon us, God has declared us righteous. He has justified us and declared us righteous so that we can step back into that space. Now that reunification, that living together in this unity of the natural and the supernatural is God's plan for all mankind. And that he invites everybody into it, but not everybody accepts the invitation. And so last week we spoke about faith, how faith is our response, our understanding of who God is that allows us to step back into that, receive the invitation, if you will. Faith means to trust God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. Faith is not a quality I actually have or a characteristic of mine as much as it is trusting God's character. It's about who God is, knowing him, seeing him, believing that he is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. And when I respond to him in faith, he brings me back into that reunification of the natural and the supernatural. And we want to live these lives where we are understanding and learning more and more how to live in the natural and the supernatural. One of our key scriptures for this time has been 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 22. In verse 22, Paul writes, he says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. He says, so often in this world we are, we are tempted as people to either be drawn into the world of the Jew, which is the supernatural, or to be drawn in the world of the Greek, which is the natural. We either may be tempted to believe everything is spiritual or believe nothing is spiritual, but everything is material and everything is natural. But Paul says, I come to preach Christ. And Christ crucified, and those are very important words because what he's actually referring to is that Jesus is this coming together of the natural and the supernatural by saying Christ, the supernatural, crucified the natural. If you think about it, crucifixion is, a, is the most natural event. Not I'm talking about it's natural for people to die by crucifixion, but the, the horror of the crucifixion is because of its natural horror also. And in that event, we see this coming together. We preach Christ crucified. So that means practically for us as Christians today, we want to say, Lord, how do we live in this world where we are fully engaged in the spiritual, but also fully engaged in the natural? Not being pulled into the either or, but living a natural, supernatural lives. But today I want to take it now one step forward and talk about what does that mean practically in terms of life? Acts 1 verse 8 is this very important moment. I often refer to this moment as the day, the day the church was born. It's the day of Pentecost. And it describes it for us in this following way. It says, but you will receive power when Jesus was talking about this to come. This is going to happen. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said to his disciples that we're living very natural lives. He's saying, you're about to step into the supernatural, where the Holy Spirit is going to come down. 
And the Holy Spirit is going to bring about your life experience that will be very natural but very supernatural. The Spirit will come upon you and He will empower you. You see, we must remember that Christianity is not just living a good natural life with good moral standards. It is an experience, it is an activity, it is a life in the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. This is what God has invited us into and made possible for us. And that day, obviously, that came in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. We, we see these remarkable events take place. The, the sound of a mighty rushing wind, the, the tongues of fire setting on the people, them speaking in foreign languages. And we see exactly on that day happening a very natural upper room filled with natural people with natural fears and concerns being filled with the very supernatural Holy Spirit. And from that day on, God says, now I will do things in, in, in your midst. And it was actually prophesied and, and it was spoken over that time that like in Joel 2 where God said, there will come a day and I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And that's the plan. Because that's the future reality that God has for us. That we will live in that space, not only now, but in its fullness in eternity within the spiritual and the natural in a new heaven and a new earth. But we get the deposit. We get the early access of that when the Holy Spirit is poured out. And the church becomes that place where we're not just living good lives in the natural and, and having good philosophy and good doctrine and, and good understanding of truth, but we also live in the Spirit. We live in the power of the Spirit. We see the supernatural reality of the Spirit. We sang it this morning, this is a house of miracles. You cannot declare that if you don't believe that the Holy Spirit will come and make the supernatural reality of God present in this natural world. And so we're saying, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be those people. Like continuing the story of the book of Acts. More, Lord, come and pour out your Holy Spirit. Now, as we, as we look at the Scripture and we begin to say, now, how do we live this? One of the key elements that Paul refers to and teaches on is what we call the gifts of the Spirit. If you're going to experience life in the Spirit and begin to live in the empowering of the Holy Spirit, empowering you to be a witness, what are we witnessing of? He says, the Holy Spirit will come and empower you to be my witnesses. What are we witnessing of? What are we... What is our testimony? What are we telling people that we've seen? We've seen heaven and earth come together again. And we're going to tell people that you no longer, don't be fooled and think that you're living on a natural world merely, but you're living in a supernatural because God is real. God is here. God is close to us. Yes, he He's tabernacling with us. And that's the power of the scripture when it says, you are the temples of the Holy Spirit. You are the tabernacles. Your very natural life has become the space where the Holy Spirit is living. And you've become that reunification. Not fully, not completely, and I spoke about that last week, but it's already active in you. One day it will come completely. And one of the ways that we begin to experience and express the Holy Spirit is what we call the gifts of the Spirit. Now this word gift is an important word. In most of the places where the New Testament speaks about gifts, it uses the word charismata. That's where we get our word charismatic from. 
We're part of a charismatic movement. This church is a leading church in this nation in the charismatic movement that started in the 70s and changed this nation, changed our city. Because we believed in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The word charismata literally means gifts of grace or expressions of grace. It's when God says, now I've invited you by grace. You don't deserve it, but I've opened up the space for you to come into my presence and to live in this supernatural, natural reality. And now because it's grace, I'm gracing you. I'm giving you gifts that you do not deserve, you didn't work for, you didn't qualify for, but it's the kingdom, so I'm going to express myself through these gifts that I'm giving you. These charismatic expressions of God's grace. And Paul writes, and it's, it's often referred to in the New Testament about these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 with 13, very importantly in the middle there, talks a lot about these gifts. God saying, I want to manifest this new reality of heaven and earth together. I want to manifest and show that and make that known through you. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to gift you with supernatural abilities and powers and gifts for my purposes. And then we are encouraged to step into these gifts. 1 Peter 4, Peter writes, he says this in verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So God is gracious and by His grace, He gives us gifts so that we can use those gifts and serve others that may not know that God is close to us so that they can begin to experience that God is close in a very real way. We have these gifts and we have to receive them and make use of them. Paul, in fact, encourages us on two occasions as he writes to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, he says this, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, I think some of your minds go, well, what are the greater gifts? What are the lesser gifts? That's not the issue. In one sense, all the gifts are the greater gifts, but there are other sense where some of them are more expressive of the supernatural reality of God. But that's not the issue. The point is, he's saying, you have to desire the gifts. In fact, he says that again in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now, I, I want to say this to you. God has made it available for every believer, the gifts of the Spirit. Because that was, that's what was prophesied in the Old Testament. And I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Everyone, every one of us, the gifts are made available to us. But again, faith plays a role. You have to say, I believe and I receive. I believe that God is who he said he is, and I believe that he will do what he said he will do. And if God says, I give you the gifts, then I will believe that, and I will receive the gifts. And I can begin to operate in the gifts, but you must desire it. I think in general it's true that if you don't want the gifts, you're not going to get them. Because God is not going to force things on you. Now, this is generally true. I think there's been once or twice. Like I don't think Paul des desired to be knocked off his donkey and to meet the Holy Spirit on the way to, the, to Damascus. 
I don't think that was his desire. Sometimes God is God. God can do stuff. But generally, the scripture teaches us, you must ask, you must desire. And I want to speak into that space for a little bit and say, we must desire the gifts. And I want to say that to this community particularly. You know, it was my privilege to have been here since the late 70s and to have experienced over all these years the working of the Holy Spirit and still experiencing the working of the Holy Spirit. I can remember coming from a, a church where we used to go to church on Sunday and nothing unexpected ever happened. You knew exactly what was going to happen because there was no, perhaps they were pulled into the belief of the more natural elements of the of the kingdom of God. And then we started coming here. We, we came here because of a supernatural encounter. I went for an operation, and the doctor that operated on me was a Christian and you know, prayed for a miracle for me while he was operating. And that opened up my mom, and we eventually, you know, through story, found our way to Hatfield. And I can remember I was like you know, nine, eight, nine years old, and I would come to the church we started coming in evening services and, and you'd have a sense of you'd never quite know what was going to happen because the service would be going on and then some person would begin to speak aloud in tongues or something and it was just a different vibe and a different atmosphere and suddenly, you know, we were called and we would pray for people and I was like, wow. And so we've journeyed as a church and we went in the 90s, we went through the Toronto Blessing. How many remember the Toronto Blessing? And it got really crazy sometimes. You know, people got drunk in the spirit. Very drunk in the spirit. Some people, you know, oh, let me not tell you stories because some of you will think it's freaky. I was like, wow. And we experienced like amazing stuff. And so we go through our journeys. But this is a, this is a place of miracles. This is a place of the spirit. This is a place where God has, we have given him the freedom to say, come and move. But you know, sometimes we've become a bit hesitant. And I think there's reasons why some of us are hesitant for the things of the Spirit. Let me, let me give you two reasons. And, and they sort of related to the same thing. But I think sometimes we're hesitant for the things of the Spirit. Well, let me give you three things. Let me give you three things. Let me, the first thing is, we're sometimes hesitant for the things of the Spirit because we don't think it's available anymore today. There's lots of Christian people that believe the gifts of the Spirit and the working and the manifestation of the Spirit ended with the book of Acts. We call them cessationists, and we love them, but we don't agree with them. They literally believe that the gifts were available for the establishing of the church in the book of Acts, and then it stopped. Now, the reason we don't believe that is because the Bible doesn't say so. But also, it's just not consistent with church experience. We have records throughout church history of God's Spirit arriving and the gifts in operation. For instance, I'm not going to do an exhaustive thing around this, but for instance, there was a, a guy by the name of uh, Iranius, and Iranius was one of the church fathers that lived from 130 after Christ to 200 after Christ. So he served in that, what you can say, second, third generation of believers. So this is, you know, a while after the book of Acts and after Jesus walked the earth. And, and this is a record of him speaking and he, or writing. And he said this, those who are in truth his disciples performed miracles according to the gift given them. 
including driving out demons, seeing visions, uttering prophetic expressions, healing the sick, raising the dead, speaking in other languages, and declaring the mysteries of God. So this is a hundred plus years later, and they're still experiencing the gifts. And throughout history, you can trace, you see, times where God pours out His Spirit. And they, one of those, for instance, was during the, the ministry of Spurgeon. Spurgeon that lived from 1834 to 1892. There's a record of somebody that attended his meeting. One of the stories that was told, there's quite a number, but this is a story from one person that attended a meeting where Spurgeon was ministering. He said the following, this is in his diary, he wrote, Mr. Spurgeon looked at me as if he, as if he knew me, and in his sermon he pointed to me and told the congregation that I was a shoemaker and that I kept my shop open on Sundays, and I did, sir. I should not have minded that, but also he also said that I took nine pence the Sunday before and that there were four pence profit out of that. I did take nine pence on that day, and four pence was the profit. But how should he know that? I could not tell. Then it struck me that it was God who had spoken to my soul through him. So I shut up my shop the next Sunday. At first I was afraid to go again to hear him, lest he should tell the people more about me. But afterwards I went, and the Lord met with me and saved my soul. In very nice English, it is told you that even in those days, it's been our, if you want to read the history of this nation, today we see the Spirit of God still moving, the gifts of God. So I think that's the first problem. Some people think it's not available today. I think if you've overcome that problem, you face two other problems. And both of those are related to the counterfeit stuff. Sometimes we've, been exposed to the dark side of spirituality, if I can call it that, the demonic. Because remember, Satan is a counterfeiter. He will study what God's doing and then he'll present you with an alternative, but that alternative is there to destroy you and harm you. And because he knows the, the reality that we live in a natural, supernatural world, he will try and find ways to illegitimately introduce you to the supernatural, to harm and destroy and some of us have experienced that. Some of us have experienced the demonic through the occult, through trying to you know, worship ancestors, through you know, divining or some forecasting or you know, whatever kind of stuff, reading horoscopes. You know? And we've experienced that and we've, and we've come out of it and, it and it makes us a bit go, I don't, I don't want to deal with stuff. I just want to keep my faith. It's like solid ground. So we're afraid of the supernatural because we've felt the enemy's counterfeit outside of the church. And then I think problem, sometimes more problematic is we found the counterfeit in the church. We found some stuff that you go, eh, something doesn't quite seem right. I don't know if you remember, but recently we got some new money in South Africa. In May, they released a whole new set of currency. So if the camera can zoom in, how many remember this guy? You still have some of them around? They're going to eventually phase out because this is the old 20 rand note with Mr. Mandela on it and an elephant. I think there's two elephants on this one. And uh, this is typically of what our money looked like up until May. And then in May, they introduced this one. Now, if you hold the two of them together, perhaps on camera, you won't even notice necessarily the color difference. 
and some of the other things. But how many of you, when you started getting them, you know, they were all new and fresh. You started feeling like, this is a bit different, eh? It has some different features. Now, why did they do that? Let me read for you why they did that. And I'm quoting from our Treasury's website. It says this. The upgraded banknotes and fourth decimal coin series have new designs and enhanced security features that utilize the latest technological advancements. Why? To protect the integrity of our currency and to maintain public trust. So what was happening is our old money was getting copied and counterfeited too much. So they had to upgrade it and, come and put some new features in so that we can trust our money. So that when you go to the store and you give them money, they're not always looking and putting it under some pink, you know, not pink, violet light and looking at you like you've, you know, something wrong with you because you don't know. Now, hopefully with this new money for a while, at least we'll be able to trust the money. And how many of you know that the things of the Spirit can be counterfeited, even within the church? And sometimes you have the real, but over time we begin to slightly digress and we miss some of the key features of the things of the Spirit. This money has some key features to it. One of the new key features is this little like glow-in-the-dark kind of little elephant that you find here on the 20. It's a new feature. Now the Holy Spirit has some features that tells you it's authentically the Holy Spirit. But over time, we get clever. That's what people do. And we begin to copy, and we slightly go off. And initially, it's not such a big problem, but over time, we begin to move away. And let me tell you, I've, I've, personally, this is me personally, forgive me, peace personally, I've become a bit agitated at some of the stuff I'm seeing around that presents itself as the real supernatural, but you can taste and feel like, it's not quite right. Amen? None of you. Okay, just me. That's my problem. So Paul writes to us in 1 Corinthians 12, for instance, and, he's, and he gives us some of the features of the Holy Spirit that we need to make sure that we remember. So 1 Corinthians 12, let me read with you quickly. Verse 1 to 3, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Uninformed is a thing. You can be uninformed. Be informed. Don't buy everything. Be informed. Don't believe everything. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by dumb idols. You've experienced the false spiritual. This is not that which I'm talking about. Be informed. Therefore, I want you to know that one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and, sorry, that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God, did you pick that up? I did that on purpose. No, I did not. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? I don't think he's saying, walk around and say to people, say, Jesus is Lord, Okay, you're, you're good. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the working of the Spirit will always be there to glorify Jesus. 
It will always be there to shine the light on Jesus. Why Jesus? Because Jesus is the full expression of the natural and the supernatural coming together. So Jesus is our prime example. He's our authentic expression. And what the Holy Spirit is going to do is he's going to show you Jesus and he's going to shine on Jesus. That is the first hallmark of the authentic work of the Holy Spirit is Jesus will be made known. Now that's a very important thing because the gifts of the Spirit has the potential to shine the light on others and not on Jesus. And I think that's one of the things that concerns me, that so often you see nowadays when the people that are supposedly people you know, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, eventually I don't, know, I don't hear Jesus much anymore, but I'm very aware of prophet so-and-so and person so-and-so. And everything it seems like the gift is there to establish their ministry. And that's not what I understand the gifts to be. The gift is there. Do, we, do the gift impact on us? Yes, of course. It happens through a person. So I don't have a problem with that. And it, and it, and it will in some way make the person visible. But that person will quickly say, it's not me, it's Jesus. It's not me, it's Jesus. That's one of the hallmarks. Secondly, the gifts are varied. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. The gifts may vary, but it's the same God. So they may vary in their expression, but they don't vary in their origin. They are always the same God. And if it's the same God, you will smell Him. You will hear Him. You will taste Him. You will get to know that this is God. The same God is always love. It's always truth. It's always justice. It's always for the good. Same God. Same God, same character. What is faith? Believing God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. So whenever I experience a gift, I bring it back to who's God. It comes from God. It's to make me know him better, but it always comes because it comes from him. So it's about him. Actually, the gifts aren't the important things. It's God that's important. It's not how much of the gifts I can experience, it's how much of God I can experience. But the gifts are important because they move me into that place of, wow, God's supernatural being and person and power. It's the same God at work. Therefore, if I encounter person X and they have a gift, it may be different than person Y, but I'll recognize the same God at work in both of them. Because it'll have, the same, it'll have the same texture to it. Doesn't it? Because it's God. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So not only are the gifts from God that reveal who God is, they're not for me, they're for the people that God has called me to. Those people can be the people in our community, in our church, and even the people on our front lines. The gifts aren't for me. 
It's actually got very little to do with me. Because remember, they're grace gifts. I didn't qualify for them. I didn't work for them. I didn't. I can grow in them, but it's not my gift. The person that operates in the gift of the Spirit will always remember that it's not your gift. I know we say, you know, so-and-so is really gifted by the Spirit, and that's fine, but ultimately it's not their gift. For a period of time and for a reason, God has given, but if I have a gift, I always hold that gift lightly. I don't own it. It's not mine. I can't use it the way I think, and that's where things start getting a bit weird, is when I start using my gift. Now, I, I believe it's right that any servant of the Lord, the Scripture tells us that don't muzzle the ox, you know. If you're a gifted servant of God, you must live off, you know, you earn, you earn money, but don't monetize the gift. Don't monetize the gift, because the gift is for the common good. It's for the people. It's, it's like, you know, it passes through me like very quickly, whatever gift. And, and when you see some of those things, you begin to recognize this is the Spirit of God at work. These are some of the authentic hallmarks of the, of the faith, of the gifts that God has given us. Now then Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 and he begins to list some of these gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 11, he gives us nine gifts. But there are more than 20 mentioned elsewhere in the scripture. And it's my conviction that even that list once he lists is not the definitive exclusive list. I don't think Paul anywhere was trying to say, these are the gifts. He was describing what the Holy Spirit was doing and how they've recognized the Holy Spirit. But I do think it's important that these that we begin to understand what we're talking about. And so what I want to do is, is just quickly go through the list of nine in, the, in the 1 Corinthians 12. Why am I doing that? Because I want to stir something within us. That if we've had tasted the counterfeit, whether outside the church or inside the church, whether we may have believed that it's not for today, may the Holy Spirit stir us today to go, Lord, and I think Debbie's word was so apt earlier, to be open, to open. If a flower is closed, not only does it not show its full beauty, but it cannot reproduce. It's when it's opened that something can happen that goes beyond itself. And I want to encourage us, let's become even more open than ever before to say, come Holy Spirit, I want to desire. So when I speak, the, read this list. I don't want you to listen for somebody else. I want you to listen for yourself. I want to encourage you to desire the gifts because you have a front line that need to experience. God is not far, but He is near. God is not in the distant, but He is in the present. And how are they going to experience that unless we become people of the Spirit that naturally live these supernatural realities? So let's read them. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Now probably our greatest Space to go to learn 
about the Spirit is the Word. Because, let's be honest, the things of the Spirit, because we have been exiled from the spiritual life, the fullness of it, and we've lived for so long in the natural, being reinvited into the spiritual world, sometimes we feel like things are weird. We think we don't, it's like, it's a bit scary, it's bizarre. But we must recognize that God is a God of order, and therefore everything that happens in the Spirit is according to God's spiritual law. How do we get to know God's spiritual law? Through the Word. The same Spirit that I'm asking, Holy Spirit, give me the gifts and move through me, is the Spirit that wrote the Word. And as the more I get to know the Word, and the more the Word shows me to Jesus, the more the things of the Spirit begins to make sense, and it finds healthy expression. Not bizarre expression, even though it may be out of this world things. Remember, it's by God's law. And so when we read these things, it's valuable to say, now what, what is this? So let's talk about them quickly. Just, I'm just going to do like really quick. Words of wisdom. I think words of wisdom are when God gives somebody an understanding that may be helpful for somebody else or in a specific condition or specific situation where they're encountering a problem and they don't know how to fix that problem in line with God's will in line with what is God want for that situation, then a word of wisdom is somebody that says, listen, I was praying for you and I felt the Lord speak to me about something that's going on. And I felt the Lord said, this is, the, this is what you must attend to or this is what you must do. And it's spiritual wisdom that is imparted. In a, it can be within a personal experience. It can even be like on your front line something of you. Perhaps you have to, engineer, as an engineer, have to design something. You have a problem that you have to fix and you don't have a clue how to fix this problem. But God can give you a word of wisdom that reveals His will, His supernatural perspective on something natural. That's what wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to know the truth of God and how to apply it to reveal God's will. In that situation, that's a word of wisdom. Word of knowledge is very close to that. A word of knowledge is when, we, when we, we have knowledge about a situation. We may not necessarily have the wisdom of what to do, but it's like, remember when Jesus met with the woman at the well, and he said to her, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. That's a word of knowledge. What does a word of knowledge do? It tells you God knows you. Have you ever prayed for somebody? And as you're praying for them, God says, tells you something that you shouldn't know about that person. And then you phone them or you see them and you say, you know, I was praying for you and God told me this. They go, whoa. How did you know that? Who told you? I, really, I promise you. And God can do that. Now, unfortunately today, we have very clever people that use little microphones and little apps and things to gather information. And then they sound like they've got words of knowledge, but it's actually AI. I mean, I'm not talking about that stuff. But sometimes God will just say, I, I know you. What does that do? It draws somebody to him. There's a God that is close to me. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. A gift of faith. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will, in a particular situation, may gift a person to say, there's a difficulty that a group of people or somebody's facing. And it feels like it's too much for them. They, they don't know how to deal with it. And somebody comes along and says, and God gives them a gift of faith. 
And they can step into that situation and have a certainty about what God will do. And it's not this self-generated, you know, because remember, faith is not about me, it's about who God is. But it's almost this revelation of God is who he says he is and he will do what he said he will do in this situation. And their faith is like an unwavering faith in that moment that just helps a community or a people through that to go, okay, we can trust God. I don't feel like I can trust God, but this person's faith has elevated have you experienced that? I, I've experienced that a couple of times in my life. Close with that is goes the gift of healing. God gifts people with the compassion towards the sick or the specific sick person in a specific situation. And, that, and in, in that moment, that person will, with a gift of healing will say, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray till what God wants to do is gonna happen. Because they just have that gifting. We all pray for healing. We can all pray for healing for every time. But sometimes God just gives one person that like tenacity, that, that holding on. But that person with a gift of faith knows that the healing, uh, the, uh, the gift of healing, the healing is not actually the thing that they trust in God for. What they trust in God for is that the person will get to know God better. The healing, remember, healing is healing. It's great. We're all going to die though. At some point, something's going to happen. Now, it may be your faith that you're going to die very healthy, but something's going to cause it. Any of these gifts are there for the glorification of Christ. So let's not make the healing the issue. The issue is, did this person get to know Jesus? Or through this healing, did Jesus get glorified? Because that's the ultimate goal. The healing's fantastic and great. I, you know, I, I personally don't want to make too big a deal of when I pray for people and they get healed. If they want to tell the story, that's great. Because it's not about the healing. It's about, is God being made known? That doesn't mean we don't tell about the healings. It's just, you, you, I hope you understand what I mean. They have great faith and trust God that, that God can and will heal and are not deterred by the challenges and if, even if he chooses not to heal the person, they still have, they believe, they have that, that gift of, of faith in, for healing. The gift of miracles, closely associated to that, perhaps just broader than just healing. They have, these people, when, they, when this gift is given to somebody, they have a heightened sensitivity to the presence and the power of God in a situation and what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do. They have a faith that comes along with it and they have the ability to draw others into that faith. Again, it's not about them. It's not about who's the person with the gift. They must come. It's about how does that gift serve the common good for everybody. The gift of miracles. Sorry, I was speaking about the gift of miracles. People with this gift, they take great care to not draw attention to themselves or make a following of people for themselves, but to serve, to draw to Jesus. Then we have the gift of the discerning of spirits. Because we live in this reality where there's an enemy that counterfeits all the time, it's very helpful to have people that, can, that has a sense of, is this authentic or is it the counterfeit? Now how do they know? Not based on a feeling, based on an understanding of the scripture and a leading of the Spirit within that context. You know, 
Because we can have a worship service and then one person says, I've discerned that that's not the Lord. And another person will say, no, I've discerned it is the Lord. Who do you believe? It's what the word teaches that we go to. And we hold those things lightly. But it is really helpful to have people that can go, I've, I've discerned that this is a little bit of a just off color from the scripture. And these are the implications if we go down that route. This is how we get back to what the scripture is teaching. Then tongues, the second last one. Now, we know about tongues, and you often will hear people speak in tongues. In the scripture, there's tongues that are languages, like on the day of Pentecost where they spoke known languages, but there's also unknown languages in the scripture. Most of us, like for me, for instance, when I speak in tongues, it's an unknown language. It is a spiritual language. It is me speaking into the spiritual realm, encouraging myself, seeking the spirits, the mysteries of the spirit. So, but it is not ecstatic language. You know what ecstatic language is? It's when somebody's overcome by some spirit and they can't help themselves and they begin to speak this gibberish. That's not what tongues are. I can start speaking in tongues now and I can stop immediately if I want to. Because the gifts are under the authority of the person who operates in them, who is using them to glorify God and for the common good. So when I have a gift, it is on me, the authority lies to administer that gift, to direct that gift, to use it correctly. I'm not overcome by the gift and I can't help myself. We sometimes have people say, oh, it was God, I can't help myself. No, no. The Holy Spirit speaks through us. Us that understand in part and see in part. So whenever I, and, and, and I've left out prophecy, I'll get to it now. Whenever I speak in prophecy, I always know I don't have the full picture. So I treat it with humility. I submit it to the community. But tongues should be spoken, should be used personally. The scripture generally says, don't use it in an uncontrolled, larger environment. And if you do, then the last gift comes in, then you do the interpretation of gifts. Where somebody feels like, okay, that's the tongue. I believe this is what the Spirit is saying. And then the community weighs it. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, falls also within the category probably of the, the, the prophetic. What is prophecy? Prophecy is revealing God. That's what prophecy is. Revealing God and revealing His will. And so we need prophecy. Prophecy. Prophecy within the church and prophecy particularly becomes very helpful when we are in a space and we say, what is God saying? What is God doing in this space? And somebody has a gift of a prophetic gift in that moment to say, I believe this is what the Lord is saying. And we all recognize and go, that is what God is saying. We had it happen just a couple of weeks ago. We were in an elders meeting on a Wednesday evening, two Wednesdays ago. And Gerard, who's our chairperson of the eldership, ended the meeting and he, and he asked us this question. And I think Debbie sort of added to the question. The question that came to us was this. Like in Revelation 3, when the scripture says that God spoke to the, the church and he gave you know, those seven churches a word. And it says, and this is what the Lord is saying to the church. The question that came to us is, if God had to send the angel, or God had to send his word to speak to, the, to our church, Hatfield, what would God say to us? What would be the word of the Lord to Hatfield at this time? And so Gerard encouraged us, go home and pray about it, and if you have a sense. I get to church, Wednesday, that's Wednesday night, I get to church on Sunday. Um, Neil wasn't here that Sunday, he was taking a break. And Neil normally sits next to me, so when it comes time to the offering, Neil will get up and give me the offering bag, and, and so it goes down the queue. 
And so that morning, Neil's not there and there was nobody here. So I take the offering bag and I walk over to Pastor Harry that's sitting over here. And I give Pastor Harry the bag and he says, I've got a word for you. I said to the Lord, if Louis comes to me today, I will give him this word. So after the service, he calls me and Natasha and we sit here and he says, I was praying and like in Revelation 3, when the Lord says, I have a word for the church, I believe I have a word for Hatfield. So this is the word of the Lord. Now, how many of you know, in a moment like that, you sit up straight. You go, okay. I trust Pastor Harry. I know him. And obviously, there's the Lord at work. So he shared a word. I asked him to record it. I'm, uh, I've got it. And one of the key parts of the word, probably if I reduce it to one sentence, he said, I'm, the Lord says to Hatfield, what you've been going through, we've been going through some challenges and difficulties. He said, it's not me doing things to you, it's me doing things for you. How many of you feel like, okay, that sounds like it's a word. That's the gift of prophecy. And we can talk a lot more about that. But it reveals who God is, what God is doing, and it is for the common good. Worship team, won't you guys join me? So, oh, and then there's, like, let me just read some of the other gifts. Other gifts that are mentioned. Gift of leadership, gift of administration, gift of apostleship, gift of teaching, gift of evangelism, gift of encouragement, gift of giving, gift of mercy, gift of pastoring, gift of service, gift of health, gift of celibacy, gift of hospitality, and more. But the point is, we need to desire the gifts. Are you prepared with me, despite the counterfeit stuff, despite feeling that this is, I don't want to be weird, I don't want to do funny things, despite all of that to say, Lord, I trust you, and I, I want to just be open, and I'm going to ask you to come and move in my life. I know in this room there are people that operate in the gifts. May the Lord strengthen you to continue to operate and go further. There's some in this room that used to operate in the gifts, but for some other reason you've, you've sort of let it, you know, sort of just die down. And there's some that's never operated in the gifts. What we can do today is say, come Holy Spirit. We just open and we ask. So if you go to do that, won't you stand with me? And I've spoken about the nine gifts, but this is not just that. So don't make it about the gifts right now. Let's first of all just be in a space where we say, Holy Spirit, your word says desire the gifts. And I, I want to give you the space. I want to open up and say, Lord, come and do in my life what you want to do. So if you're ready to pray with me, won't you? If you're online or on radio, just take a position in your heart that says I'm open. Whatever that feels or looks like to you, just be open. Sometimes we raise our hands like this to say I'm open. You don't have to do that, but that's helpful. You don't have to speak in tongues if you're a Christian, but you can. It's not a, it's not a mark of spirituality, but it's a gift. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place.
every single Sunday when we pray for the services. As much as people pray in their community groups, we always say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. This is a house of miracles. But the miracles happen through your people. Not just here, but on our front lines. Come Holy Spirit. If you want the Holy Spirit, you have to ask. If you want to receive the gift, you have to ask. So can I encourage you, just where you're standing, where you're viewing or listening to us, just say, Holy Spirit, I ask for the gifts. Just say that to the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, I ask for the gifts to flow through my life. For your glory and for the common good, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, we're not going to be afraid of the counterfeit. We're not going to be afraid of the enemy schemes. But we are going to be open and, and be led by your Spirit based on your word. Come Holy Spirit. And right now, just allow the Holy Spirit to just move in your life. And just, it may be that you've never spoken in tongues. And if you sense something just bubbling up in you, just begin to speak. Just give release to that tongue. Or it may be that God speaks to you and, and gives you a, a word for somebody or for a situation that you're facing. Or, or it may be that you just sense a, a faith in you. As I was praying this morning, I, I felt I had a word of knowledge. I felt there's somebody either here today or in, online with us that you have a child whose arches has collapsed on their feet and they've got completely fat feet at the moment. And I just felt the Lord saying this, that for whoever that parent is, the Lord says to you that I have got your child. I love them. I love them. And I think there's a lot of challenges that that child faces. Perhaps the collapsed arches is just the way that God is identifying that person. But God is saying, I've got a journey that I'm walking, a close and loving journey with that child. Facilitate my grace, my kindness towards them, my love towards them. If you're here today, or, and you can, if, if that's you, to come and let us pray with you at the end of the service. But Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We just welcome you in this place. I'm going to ask the team to just lead us in a, in a bit of a song, just to create a space for the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to end the service, and uh, we're going to go down and open up the toddler's world. But can we just linger for a bit? Just take a minute. Say, come Holy Spirit. Just give him space to operate within your heart. Just keep, keep being open. Remember, we receive by faith, not by feeling. If you ask, you receive. Something may not happen now, but some, at some point you will see God, a manifestation of something. If you keep seeking, keep asking. Come alive in the name of Jesus. We trust you for a new life of the Spirit in our midst, here as we gather and as we scatter as the church, Lord. As we go on our front lines, we speak life in the Spirit, Lord. I pray for a stirring of every spirit here today, Lord, every one of us, that we will not fear, but that we will step with wisdom and boldness into the more and to the things of the spirit, Lord. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. 
in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've never had somebody pray for you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands, as the Scripture says, we're going to invite you to come to the front and the team will be here to pray with you. Just to say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've never had any filling of the Holy Spirit. Let one of our team members pray with you and just bless you in that. If you have any other needs, you're also welcome to come forward and tell them and they'll pray with you. I'm going to be down in the... uh, toddler's world and by 12 o'clock we'll do the little ceremony where we're just going to celebrate and thank God for his goodness so please join me for that and remember that if you're here for the first time you want to connect with us the email that you can send and next week for those that are in government that we will pray for after the service in the functional may the Lord bless you